0: Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament Lectionary Podcast. I'm Rosie Candethal.
1: And I'm Tim McNinch. Rosie and I are PhD candidates in Hebrew Bible at Emory University, and our esteemed colleague, the Reverend Dr. Rachel Wren, has this week off. We're continuing to wade through somewhat atypical waters for our Hebrew Bible Podcast, because during the Easter season... The Revised Common Lectionary replaces Old Testament readings with lessons from the Book of Acts.
0: That's right, Tim. Uh, We find ourselves here toward the end of the Book of Acts of the Apostles in the seventh Sunday of Easter, closely approaching the day of Pentecost. And our first reading is from Acts chapter 16, verses 16-34, and it involves another prison break. (laughs) Woo-hoo!
1: You seem a little too excited about this. (laughs) What's the story? What do you mean by another prison break?
0: Oh, come on, Tim, get into the spirit. It's Orange is the new black. (laughs) I can't resist raising the roof a little on a prison break in Mm. the Bible, right? And I hope our listeners get a little bit excited about that too, because who can resist the drama? Paul and Silas in this story have been thrown in prison on a trumped-up charge of disturbing the Pax Romana, and they get busted out of jail in a most amazing way. And yes, the heroes of Axe have a pretty serious pattern of getting broken out of jail by higher powers. I mean, we've already had two of these in the book of Acts, right? So Peter and John get busted out of jail in Acts 5 by an angel of the Lord, and in Acts 12 again, the angel of the Lord has to literally shake Peter awake before he gets busted out of prison once more. (laughs) So we have got a pattern of heavenly jailbreaks among the saints, and it's Paul and Silas's turn this
1: time. (laughs) Awesome. All right, Rosie, take it away. What do we have here?
0: Acts chapter 9.16 begins a first-person narrative, and it starts this way. So one day, we were going to the place of prayer. <laughs> and although we don't know for certain who the author of this pericope is, we're immediately drawn into the story by what sounds like a personal testimony.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that helps us be, to begin to picture the scene. We're right there in the middle of the action,
0: right? And and we'll probably just call the narrator here Luke, uh, a traveling companion of Paul's and firsthand witness, as that is who is believed to be in the tradition, the author of this text, and certainly how he holds himself out to be uh, in this in this reading. Luke is telling the audience that he, Paul, and Silas were on their way to the place of prayer when they encounter a girl who had a spirit of divination in verse 16. Mm -hmm. Now, a little bit of background on Silas. Um, He's first mentioned in Acts 15 when he is sent as a delegate from the Jerusalem church along with Paul, Barnabas, and Judas Barsabas, to report to the church in Antioch, the results of the Jerusalem conference. He's already pretty prominent, so and that's why he's named there. Silas is named a prophet, and in Acts 15, verse 32, he's said to have encouraged and strengthened the believers in Antioch. So Silas has a pretty significant profile before he joins Paul more formally as one of his missionary companions.
1: Okay, but what about this uh this slave girl in the story? Why is she so significant?
0: Right, they run into her on the way to this place of prayer and thanks for keeping me on track. <laughs> Uh, So the quote-unquote slave girl, she's been exploited by her owners, at least that's what the text is telling us. They have grown rich over her purported ability to tell people's fortunes accurately. Hmm. And this turns into an exorcism story, but one which really is different from the pattern we've encountered in the Gospels.
1: Ah, interesting. How so?
0: Well, for one, the spirit's not identified as an evil spirit, as we've seen in the Gospels. In the Greek, the spirit of divination is literally a pythonis, so literally the spirit of a python. Huh. Um, yeah, and that reference to the python is to the python that guards the oracle at Delphi and in mythology was killed by the Greek god Apollo. Another difference from the pattern that we're used to in the gospel is that this, what this girl prophecies is true. These men are servants, douloi of the Most High God, who proclaim to us a way of salvation. That's what she's saying in verse 17. And there's no argument there. This is exactly what Acts tells us as well. It seems that the girl with a spirit is verifying this claim through an otherworldly manner. Hmm. Another interesting play here is that this is a, quote, slave girl who's owned by masters. She gets no profit for her work of fortune-telling. And that money goes to her owners who have gotten rich off of her labor. Mm -hmm. But she identifies these men, Paul and Silas, as owned too. They're doulai. So they're servants or slaves of the Most High. So there's a real dark play in these words that I'm picking up. And it seems to drive Paul crazy too, because she keeps this announcement up for days, following the men around and making this announcement in public squares.
1: Yeah, that's so fascinating.
0: Yeah, I definitely think so, especially if we take up this idea of exploitation of human labor and liberation that this story might be touching on as well.
1: Yeah, let's definitely pick up on that when we talk about preaching angles. Um, But take us through the action of the story.
0: Right, right. So I was saying that the story deviates from patterns of gospel exorcisms, right? Mm-hmm. So um, here, that's apparent in that there's no dialogue between the spirit and Paul, as we've seen time and time again with Jesus and the demons. There's usually a little bit of a back and forth. Mm-hmm. Instead, Paul's simply exasperated after days of this spirit uh, speaking through this girl, and he simply turns around and orders the spirit out in the name of Jesus Christ. There's no demonstration of the spirit's departure, no reaction from a crowd of amazed witnesses who then come to believe. Hmm. The exorcism itself does not lead to the spread of the gospel, as other miracles in the book of Acts do. In fact, after the spirit leaves the girl, we learn nothing more about her. Is she cast aside, abandoned because she's no longer the profit-making machine her owners had come to depend on her to be? Does she become a part of the Christian community, as, for instance, the Gadaraecean Demoniac becomes, we don't know. She's lost to us at this point in the narrative, but she becomes the reason why her masters, furious over the money they won't get off exploding her as her as a fortune teller, that's why they decide to take Paul and Silas to court.
1: And like you said, they charge them with disturbing the peace. And it looks like that turns into into a pretty violent mess here.
0: Right, so Paul and Silas are charged with serious crimes in the Roman colony of Philippi, in that they are accused of disturbing the Pax Romana as Jews and people touting unlawful practices and customs. The crowd begins to join in on the accusations and the local magistrates, eager to calm things down so they don't get into further trouble with the Roman authorities, they decide to order the men stripped, beaten, and flogged before they are locked up in jail.
1: Sheesh, that sounds like a pretty severe punishment.
0: Yeah, I think as as I was reading it too, I was reminded of how how physically punishing this was, right? So th- the details are important. These are severe physical punishments, right? So they're likely broken and bleeding by the time they are incarcerated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is one more reason why it's extraordinary to find them singing hymns in verse 25 at midnight. It's an extremely evocative scene, and other prisoners are listening to them singing, and then all of a sudden, there's an earthquake.
1: An earthquake.
0: Yeah, and this is when things get really exciting, right? Everything is shaking. That's what the text says. The prison doors open as a result, and the chains get unfastened in the ruckus. The jailer, discovering that the prisoners are loose and knowing that he will forfeit his own life if any of them escape... He's about to kill himself to avoid execution. But Paul shouts in the middle of this, don't do it. Uh, We're all
1: here. Wow. Such a thrilling story, right? So much drama.
0: Yeah, especially as you slow it down and hear all of these small details. The jailer falls down shaking before Paul and Silas, and you can understand why Uh, And in response to what's just happened, he asks this important question What must I do to be saved?
1: Mm.
0: Now, that's the same question we heard the Jerusalem Jews asking at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. So there's clearly a throwback and a connection between the way this book started and how the gospel is now continuing to travel into the most unlikely corners of the gentile world.
1: Yeah, that is amazing. So w- because we're bringing this jailer who oversaw Paul and Silas's being stripped and beaten and flogged and thrown into the secure part of the jail, that's the person who's brought into this community of Christians.
0: Right, right. <laughs> I'm glad you caught the surprise in that, right? So Paul and Silas tell the jailer that all he has to do to be saved is believe in Jesus. You and everyone in your house, And that's what happens. Paul and Silas baptize the whole household, and then the jailer and his family sit down to eat together and rejoice.
1: Wow. So is that where the story ends?
0: Yeah, well, that's where our first reading ends, right? But the story continues into the next morning. Paul is a Roman citizen, and he insists on his legal rights. He was judged and punished severely without a trial, and now he wants a public admission of that wrong. The chapter actually ends pretty unbelievably with the local magistrates appearing personally to apologize to Paul and then asking them politely to please leave the city.
1: <laughs> right. Such drama, such drama. <laughs> exactly. So I imagine that a, such a great story like this would probably lend itself quite readily to preaching. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think so. There's lots of preaching angles to take on this one, not least because there's so much drama here that deserves dwelling on. But I myself, as I was preparing for our podcast, was wondering especially about this girl mm. um, who's exploited by her masters and then you know seemingly discarded, not only by those who might we might expect to do that, the masters who profited from her work, but also by the Christian community. I don't know for certain, but we have a pattern in the Gospels that this story deviates from. Mm-hmm. Um, we we often see those who have been exercised being incorporated back into the Christian community in some way. Uh, they're rehabilitated. Uh, and I wonder about what happens to this girl. Coming from our context, uh, where you and I are sitting, Tim, we're both here in the American South. Um, And the story might invite consideration of our own complicated history with slavery and Christian entanglement with the exploitation of humans, Um, not just then, but also today. The story certainly bears the marks of liberation, the freeing of prisoners and the breaking of shackles. But who does the story include Um, and who does it forget? For instance, you know, this
1: girl. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's something I've been dwelling on. Um, What do you think, Tim?
1: Yeah, I think this would be ripe for a kind of like midrash on what happened Mm -hmm. to this girl and and what are some of the imaginative possibilities for how her story could have unfolded. And um, why is it that? such things are, are not preserved for us in, in this form of the story. Right. Well, great. Um, do you have any particular preaching pitfalls that you want to draw to our attention?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy as with a lot of these stories we've been talking about, uh, in acts to preach. This as kind of a happy ending. It's, it's got that feel to it. It's the kind of story that I remember from, um, childhood days, right. From, from Sunday school classes Mm -hmm. where it just, it just, preaches for kids in that way, right? Uh, But I I think that could be a pitfall here. Um, Preaching the American context, and especially for adults, I think should include some consideration of the themes of injustice that are in this passage, the themes of exploitation, violence, and incarceration, which are also here. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just speaking as a former public defender from New York City, Um, But as a Christian who remains troubled by what I see here in the story and in our own modern world, um, in our systems of justice and um, ongoing injustice.
1: Yeah, I think that's really helpful to uh, remind us to read these types of stories through the lens of our own context and the issues that we're facing in our own society. Turns out that not a lot changes (laughs) over the millennia. Well, thanks so much, Rosie. That seems like a great place to leave off for today. Thanks for your work and preparing that and helping us see some new things in this text.
0: Thanks, Tim. That was pretty fun.
1: We hope that this has been a helpful conversation for all of you, dear listeners. You can find back episodes of the podcast on our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. While you're there, check out our snazzy merch or make a donation to support the podcast with our very friendly donate button we really appreciate your support to keep this resource going our gratitude also goes to trinity lutheran seminary at capitol university which is the home institution for our co-host rachel wren they've given us a grant that we've used for all sorts of goodies like microphones uh, website costs that kind of thing so helpful and finally we'd love to hear from you how how are you using the podcast what are you finding helpful are the things that you'd want us to change. Uh, You can always interact with us over on our Facebook page, or you can send an email to firstreadingpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Tim McNinch.
0: And I'm Rosie Candidble. Thanks for listening and have a great week.